Welcome to the FE Insights podcast, a series of podcasts to bring professionals working in the field up to speed with the latest developments presented by Safraz Ali, Chief Executive of the national training provider, The Pathway Group. Welcome to Further Education podcast, FE podcast, and where we talk about updates in terms of the sector, we have conversations and hopefully some suggestions and advice. Today, I'm joined by very close friend of mine, a guest from the Leicestershire area, who's come and joined us in Birmingham, a chap called Steve O'Hare from SCLO Consulting. And we'll talk a little bit about Steve O'Hare and SCLO Consulting a little bit later on. In terms of FE podcast and myself, I've been in the sector 21 years, 22 years, worked through the whole FEFC, the whole sort of LSC, and now with all the changes going on. So you know, a bit of experience there. But one of the things that I'll say is experience is not the same as expertise. And this is the reason why we reach out to people who have expertise, who have knowledge and wisdom, who can assist us navigate in terms of the changes that are going on in the sector. And, you know, we're here to promote the sector. We're here to promote the good within the sector. And also, more importantly, to work together and you know guide in terms of you know what we need to be looking at and what we need to be focusing on. In terms of this particular episode, it's our second episode. Last week we were talking to Lindsay, or last episode we were talking to Lindsay McCurdy, and we focus on the AEB adult education budget. This time we're going to be talking about ROATAP, ROAT, depending on how you pronounce it, R-O-A-T-P, and we'll talk to our guest, Steve, in terms of how he pronounces it and talk a little bit about you know, what is it, what are the changes, and so forth. So please uh, welcome Steve. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Let's have a little bit of a conversation in terms of who you are. I mean, obviously, I know who you are and, and so forth. So a little bit about your background, Steve, and then we'll go into... Uh, hopefully our discussion point. Yeah, sure. No problem at all. And, and just firstly, thank you very much for inviting me along to, to, to number two in the, in the podcast list. It's great, um, to, to be invited. So, so I'm, St- I'm Steve O'Hare. Um, I am the, the, the chief cook, bottle washer, um, <laughs> and absolutely anything and everything to do with, um, SCLO consulting. And yeah. um, so my business in terms of my support business for, People within the FE sector has been going since uh, April 2018, so um, I've made it past my third year anniversary. Well, fantastic, um, which is is great. You know, most SME or small businesses thought there's a 40 percent failure rate in mm. the first year, so I'm yeah, yeah. feeling fairly happy about the world that yeah. that we're still here talking. Yeah, um, in terms of um, my history and my track records, you edge me in terms of. Uh, how long you've been in the sector. So I, I had to work this out earlier. So I think I'm 17 years, uh, or just about 17 years. Well, you might even have been 18. Of you're, being you're, in the sector. I think you're a lot younger than I am as well. So, <laughs> so, that, 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 so yeah, so please, yeah. Yeah. yeah so eight, so 18 years in the sector and, and a bit like you, you just explained yourself there, you know, yeah. that our sector is, isn't something that necessarily existed when you or I were at school. So yeah. it is something that's relatively new particularly the independent world. It's not something that I knew anything about before I got into the business, essentially. Mm-hmm. So it's been 18 years and it's been a roller coaster in terms of sort of what I do now, the whole sort of um, tendering, bidding, looking at uh, growth strategies, supporting um, activity onto government systems, government portals, government registers. I've been doing that roughly for about 14, 15 years. So the bulk of the bulk of my, my time in the sector, but I think the... What was good in my journey was that 
part of actually being on the tools first. So actually being uh, an employment advisor, that's what I started off as. I originally started off as an employer engagement advisor, then um, managed the team of employment advisors on the old New Deal program um, and have delivered training and support and skills and a whole raft and range of things in the sector over that period of time. So uh, in terms of the main topic of conversation, Steve, firstly, thank you for, for giving us a little bit of background to, to that. And we'll explore a little bit more later on. Yeah. But in terms of ROATP, ROTAP, yeah. ROAT and so forth, firstly, how do you pronounce it first? So I call it ROAT. <laughs> ROAT. Uh, yeah. ROAT. Yeah. So I go with ROAT. Or we could just call it the register. Register. So, this is the, the register. so this is the register yeah, of yeah. apprenticeship training providers. Yeah. And for those that don't know, and I hope most of the audience is from the sector, uh, but there will be some people who are new to the sector and some people who are interested. In simple terms, what is this register? Okay. So essentially what it is, is it's a license to practice. Um, what the the Department for Education, the Education Skills for the Agency, what they, they want to have is good quality provision out there. So ultimately, yes, larger employers pay um, a levy um, to be able to deliver apprenticeship training. And yes, it is their money because it's come from payroll and it's gone into that point. However, it is the governmental department's responsibility to make sure that it's spent, like any bit of public money, in an effective and and, and good way. So the register is there to make sure that good quality organisations are able to access um, a substantial amount of money and work with learners of, of, of differing ages to deliver a high quality product. So, for example, employers, they can register as well? In terms yeah, of, so yeah. in terms of, of an organisation that could deliver deliver training, it's not just a, it's, it's for the whole marketplace. If you want to deliver an apprenticeship programme, if you want to be an organisation that supports people through an apprenticeship, you need to be on the register. It's that licence to practice. It's not something you can do without. It is okay. probably the most business critical thing that you have to do. Okay. So, yeah, I think I think that was mainly for the for the, uh, for, for the audience that potentially may not have been in the sector. Or, you know, you've got a lot of, you know, trainers and tutors who are in the sector, yeah. but they may not know some of these terms as well. So, no, you know, exactly. we, our audience isn't just leaders within the sector, people who, you know, who, who are up to date in terms of the managers and so forth, but it's also the, the, the people who are looking to, you know, move and develop up mm-hmm. in the sector. So you've yeah, got a lot absolutely. of tutors and uh, admins and various other people yeah, yeah, yeah. who we also want to try Engage and uh, Engage, and talk to, that's right yeah, as well cool. and, and it's, it's 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 for that audience as well yeah, sure. so in terms of uh the conversations that our leaders are having within the sector about mm-hmm. uh rot yeah uh what are the pitfalls what are the issues what's going on and what why is this why are we talking about this yeah well i it's a i think firstly it's it's it, as i said it's business critical yeah. it's a really really important thing from a, a leader's perspective if you want to be part of this this industry part of this sector you have to be on it you know yeah. you have to be in it to win it yeah. so that's the that's the key key thing and um, i think the second third or fourth parts of that is timing yeah. um obviously we're sitting here in 2021 where you know we've been through a very very bizarre period of, of, of history and you know was the timing right you could argue yes or no um and then thirdly you know it's a big job it's not a five minute activity um this is something that takes a, a substantial amount so of time we're, to we're talking about a refresh that's that's happening yeah, we're talking so, about basically being invited back onto the register. So yeah. there's going to be organisations who have been on the register for a number of years, mm-hmm. and what what the ESFA is doing is getting every single organisation to refresh 
and they're going into in, right. in bite size and so forth. So yeah, that's right. Yeah. So yeah, just to give some numbers, and I like to give people numbers yeah. just to give a scale of, yeah. of, of, of this. So the register to to, to deliver any sort of training for for the SFA been around for a long time. The, the current iteration of the Register of Apprenticeship Training Providers first came about in 2017. Yeah. Um, that was when it was first, sort of the end, it was the end of 16, start of 17, which it was actually announced. And it was a, you know, it was a, it was a real shift change and it embraced the period when we moved, moved more towards the apprenticeship standards, the apprenticeship levy, all that side of things where you would have um, organizations who were particularly interested in delivering apprenticeships and weren't necessarily interested in some of the other ESFA type activity. So that was a, when it was first launched, it was, it was kind of a follow on from another register, which was called Roto. So that was the register of, of training, training organizations. Yeah. Um, but this was the first time that actually there was a real focus on apprenticeship training. And okay. um, if we fast forward to the end of 2018, 2019, the SFA made a real concerted effort to really try and drive up the quality of, of providers on the, on the register. So in terms of where the register sits at the minute, where it sat um, mm. before the 17th of May of this year was when it was all relaunched. Mm. And there was 2,158 organisations okay. on the register. Okay. So clearly we've been through a, a period of economic turbulence mm. and there's a, there'll be a significant number of organisations that may have gone by the wayside or are no longer in this market, which mm. is, you know, whenever there's a sub, substantial shock to mm. uh, assist any system, there is always going to be some fallout. Mm. So part of the, the, the driver for, for the SFA is, you know, ultimately to see who's there. So actually yeah. who have we got? Who have we still got that's about? Who's still delivering quality stuff? How are they adapting to the world in which we live in so okay. the way in which training has been delivered has, has changed a little yeah. bit you know we've i'm sure everyone who's obviously listened to this podcast podcasts were the yeah, yeah. were the online thing they were the, the online thing but now we're kind of online every day uh, how how are organizations delivering training in, the, in, in those manners so yeah. you know, ultimately from the sfa's perspective is making sure who they've got left is delivering good quality stuff okay fantastic. and again if we look at time as well yeah. it's been two years so it's been two years since the last register refresh was done. So actually, we're at a point now where, you know, we really need to see people are updating the systems, people are keeping on top of things, and, you know, people want to be in this marketplace. Okay. In terms of, you, you've you've touched on ROTO, R-O-T-O, Register yes. of Training Organizations. Yes. So you have this Register of Training Providers, Register uh-huh. of Training Organizations. Uh-huh. You have this alongside the Apprenticeship Training Providers. Mm-hmm. And then you had some people who were on both, and then you had some individuals who were on one, one or the other. Or yeah. the, or the other. Yeah, yeah. And now we've had this ROTO, Roto mm-hmm. that's been decommissioned yep. in July of this year. Mm-hmm. There's nothing that's replacing it at this moment in time? Not at this moment in time, but there is meant to be something coming. Now, when okay. that is, I think the, the answer's in Westminster. Yeah. Um, but there will be something. Because ultimately, you have to sort of govern the quality of what you have. You know, you can't just have a, you know, I'm all for open market and, and market forces and all that lot. However, there still needs to be some element of, of, of quality. So ultimately we're talking about taxpayers' money mm. or, you know, money that needs to be spent in the right way. So you've got to ensure that you've got the right level of probity of organization that's that's actually involved in the market. So with Roto being decommissioned mm. and we've not had any anything that's replacing it, mm. the the bids that have been, the, some of the tenders mm-hmm. and so forth, you've not had to have uh, been on the register no, at no, all. No, no. So in terms of timescales, there's nothing at this morning time that's there is that this is the timescale we're working to. So not yet, no. Not, not I'm sure, I know, I'm sure, and I'm sure that 
you know, there's been a number of consultations, there's been a number of, of things that have gone out and there, there, there will be something on that. I just, I would be lying to say that I knew the answer. Yeah. Um, and as soon as I'm soon, as soon as we do, I guess that's um, yeah, our next the, podcast, the, isn't the, it? <laughs> the, 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 the will be. And I know there's been a reshuffle as well in, in terms of the cabinet and some yeah, positions yeah, which and so forth. Always and slows things which, down. Which, which then has a knock-on effect in terms absolutely. of timescales and so yeah, forth. Yeah, absolutely. And, I think there's a, a really yeah. good example if we, you know, talking about the wider market. So there was the um, European Social Fund bids that were due to be announced last week. Um, they've now been put back to the end of October. So the whole bid time frame yeah, shifted changes back, yeah, so shifted forth, back yeah. a month. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, which is disappointing for the for, for those in the sector wanting to start new projects and um, support learners in different ways. But, you know, ultimately there is a process that we have to go through as a country. And if we're signing off governmental money, it has to go through those those processes. So, there, you know, there is an, an invariably a delay when there is a change in cabinet. So in terms of the road tap refresh, just going back, I mean, we're juggling yeah. from one to another, no, but just going fine. back onto the road tap refresh, mm. obviously we understand that it's there to drive up the quality of apprenticeships. Mm-hmm. It's it's there also to open up the market for, for others. But it's also at the same time, it's uh, it's setting the bar in terms of the stringent requirements for for you to become a apprenticeship training yeah, provider. Absolutely, uh, there is an expectation that this two thousand one hundred fifty eight is probably going to uh, reduce in oh, some yeah, in, in, in some yeah. some aspects of it. Yeah, There's yeah. been a lot of providers, a lot of companies that have registered, mm-hmm. but they're not they've not delivered. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And that now is becoming a bigger thing in terms of delivery. You have to have deliver, otherwise you're going to be taken off the register. Yeah, that's correct. But we've also had a marketplace where people are selling mm-hmm. providers mm-hmm. Uh, previously as well. So there's been a lot more awareness with the ESFA in terms mm-hmm. of if there's any changes, you know, you've got to go back and notify. And obviously that there's been that. I think more people are now not willy-nilly, if I'll use that word, mm. becoming, a, becoming an apprenticeship training provider, but yeah. now actually being a little bit more, is this something that they want to do as part of their business and is this the yeah. right thing for them to do? Absolutely. So how are, you feel, how are you finding the marketplace in terms of the conversations, that whether they should register, whether they should refresh, yeah. whether this is something for them? Is, is this a change in terms of people that look? Yeah, I, I think the first thing that we, that we just need to, just to clarify, is yeah. for the refresh, yeah. it's only for organisations that that are already on the register. There is another process for new entities to become apprenticeship providers, and that's got to be an employer-driven route. So actually it's it's them working with an employer to identify a specific need that the current marketplace isn't isn't responding to, um, or they can't get the quality of what they want, or they can't get the numbers that they want um, within an area. So the key thing with the refresh is actually that, that whole bit, if we just get, you know, go back a couple of minutes, it's that whole bit of who did we have from two years ago that's still here, that's still delivering um, high quality stuff and, and, and can meet that, that level of stringency that we wish to have, mm. um, you know, from the SFA's perspective. So in terms of that, you know, there's still, there is still a, a demand for, for organisations who still want to get involved in the apprenticeship market. I just think it, at the minute it's a little bit challenging. Um, I think if you are a, an employer, who wants to start to deliver apprenticeship programs, and you are particularly if you're a levy paying employer, um, you know, apps, the, the the route to market. I'm not going to say it's easier, mm. but the route to market is a little more clear. And um, if you're a sort of a generalistic provider trying to get into the market, you know, I think it's at this present time, you know, you really need to have a niche. You really need to have a uh, a sector that isn't being supported sufficiently at the moment, or you know, there isn't enough there in that listing. 
um, to support those areas. So um, there is still that demand, um, and those that are on the register, you know, ultimately, I think they, you know, they want to be there. My clients and uh, other things that I've done around it, there still is that huge drive to be part of the part of the gang, so to speak. Mm. You know, they still want to go to the party. Um, you know, and and when I've done training sessions and stuff like that, I always, always say it's the VIP paths to the, the the VIP area of the of the apprenticeship party, mm. and people still want to be there. You know, they still want to be involved in the apprenticeship market. It is core component part of the economic recovery. Yeah. So actually having, you know, being in it, it is still a, it's still a good thing to do. You're listening to the FE Insights podcast with Safras Ali from the Pathway Group, looking at current trends in further education. You, you mentioned earlier on the fact that it's, it is business critical for people who are who, who are operating in this in this area. It's mm-hmm. you know they they have to get it right, yeah. you know, you know for for their livelihoods, for their organisation, reputation, and so mm-hmm. forth. Mm-hmm. But we also know that organizations have got it wrong they've, they've yep. had issues mm-hmm. you know and there are pitfalls there are dangers mm. talk to us a little bit about from from your experience your awareness of some of those uh and obviously you know no specifics but some of those areas in generalization yeah yeah and also some of the things that you know providers who are maybe working on on a refresh now need to be more aware of and more conscious of. okay yeah sure so i think firstly if you are a good organization You've got nothing to fear, yeah. as I said at the start. And I'm not going to lie, you know, it's a, it's a big old job. It's a, it is a substantial piece of work that you that you need to undertake. So if we think about, and you know, I've gone through four or five refreshes now, actually mm. might be six, yeah. um, within the first sort of batch of organisations invited. One thing that, you know, there's, there's certain areas where people just need to think about the processes, their internal activities to make sure that they align to the current activity. Okay. Um, so if we go with one and probably my biggest bugbear this week, okay. um, and it's and we're recording this at lunchtime on a Monday, yeah. so you can imagine uh, this is this is number one in my mind, I believe, yeah. um, is the whole thing around business continuity. Mm. So apprenticeship continuity plans was something that was introduced in the, in the last round, and it's something the ESFA have built on again. Okay. So, and that's all about looking after the learner. So they're really concerned, and you know there has been a few high-profile cases okay. of, of, of providers going to the wall where you know learners haven't necessarily been looked after. So one of the key things that they've asked providers to do this time round is to think about what their contingency arrangements should the worst happen. And it's it's not the nicest thing to start off on, no. but it's the you know it's the one thing that you know we we need to consider. So I mean we need to think about the learner. You know yeah. we, people get into this sector because they want to help people um you know that's one of the key things so actually what do you do it what is your plan should the worst happen mm. so before it was a bit like what happens when there's a global pandemic mm. yes their continuity plans have been tested to the max of late yes, you know and um, whereas with 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 this one this is more about you know how are you going to make sure that you continue to support learners through there's a couple of key points in there all around you know accessing portfolio allowing learning to continue transferring learners, communicating effectively with learners and employees so they know what's happening. So, so okay. the, the, the individual is looked after. So is that a policy or is that just... Yes, that's a written policy. policy. So it's a written, yeah. a written policy. That and a plan in terms of... Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, either you can have it as a piece of prose that describes how you do something or you can have it as a table, you know, almost like an action plan table of if this happens, this is what we do. Okay. Um, but again, it's that, just that description of, 
description of, of doing that. Okay. And that would be generally good practice for any provider to really have absolutely. anyway, regardless yeah. of the tick box for the, uh, for the road. Yeah, I'd absolutely agree. I mean, you know, there are, as I said, there's a lot of good providers out there, but, you know, unfortunately, sometimes, you know, cash is king. It only takes a couple of things to go wrong. Um, and then, you know, I, I don't want to wish it on anyone, but, you know, ultimately it, it can happen. So it's, it you know, it's, good. it's, it's important to think about it. And again, just in the market, thinking about of who is important, you know, that learner is important because they're the person that we're supporting through that, through that journey. Okay. Any, any others in terms of policies that are quite key or documentation that are provided needs to be extra sort of, uh, savvy or focus on in terms of getting that, getting that right? Yeah, sure. So, the, I mean, there's, there's a, there's a, there's a few tweaks and changes. So one thing I'd say with this refresh, it's not a wholesale change. It is an evolution, not a revolution. Okay. Um, so, you know, there were certain things before that, um, were actually policies. So the, the, the SFA wanted to see a policy for, uh, employer engagement, for instance. Right. Now you just have to describe how you do employer engagement, okay. which for me is a far better fit than trying to describe a, a policy for how you go and talk to people or how you market your products. It doesn't, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's better. It's, it's a couple of questions now that describes how you promote it, how you work with employees, how you keep that employer at the center of the journey with the learner. Mm-hmm. So actually that whole wrap round of the, the employer, uh, the learner and the employer being, being, being critical. So that's, you know, that's a, that's a, a shift change. Similarly, there's a, a whole different piece on English and maths. So again, English and maths was about, um, was a policy. So how do you do your English and maths assessment, which is, you know, you know, it's an assessment is, is an assessment. Um, now they want you to describe that assessment. Actually, what is it you're trying to achieve by, by doing that? And similarly, and um, what is your, so we go back to that word continuity. Mm. So what's your con- continuity to make sure English and maths continues? Yeah. So again, if we look back over the last 18 months, yeah. that was an area that um, across the country there was challenges. Mm. So from the SFA's perspective, they're kind of pressure testing where that is. There is also similarly uh, a little bit more description around um, they don't necessarily want to see your quality assurance process. They want you to they want to d- drive down in terms of a written response mm-hmm. into what does your quality assurance policy cover? What are the key things that it, mm-hmm. that it covers? And then interestingly, how do you quality assure your quality assurance policy? Right. Yes, yeah, so actually your quality assurance measures, what are you doing with those on an annual basis? So how are you using your self-assessment report? How are you using your quality improvement plan to actually improve your processes? So we can always say, oh, we've got policy and our quality is great, but actually how do we know that that's still great? How we um, how we engage with best practice throughout the sector? How are we engaging with all the different bodies out there? So you know, your offset, your partner education, and all of those that sort of will, will bring something to the party in terms of that, that driving it forward and, and, and improving quality throughout. Okay. And you said it's a, a fair a fair amount of piece of work. I mean, yeah. just describe to us in terms of what's involved and yeah. the effort that needs to go in, yeah. you know, bearing in mind that you've said it's business critical, we've mm. got to all get it right. So we can sort of get an idea of how much work is there. How much work is there. Yeah. Okay. So you kind of, you, you, it depends on you as an organisation. Yeah. So again, one thing, you, you can view it as good or bad and, and it, it depends on, on where you are. So if you've had a recent Ofsted inspection, so yeah. a recent Ofsted inspection in the last three years yeah. and you've been graded as good or better, so good or outstanding, um, then there are elements you don't have to do, okay. which, you know, makes absolute sense um, because ultimately there's been an external body has been into your organisation in the last couple of years and had a look at, at you and has seen, well, actually you're doing this really well and you, they've, you know, they've done 
far more delving down mm. than you will do from completing a, a registration. So in terms of we look at, look at it in just in raw numbers. Yeah. So worst case scenario for providers, you've got 24 questions to respond to. Okay. Which is roughly when you do your word counts and all of that, like it's about 24 sides worth of writing. I get paid to do that. So for me, it's, it's kind of a, a business thing as usual for me. However, there'll be people that, you know, want to do this themselves because actually they, they, they know the answer. They know their business really well. So, you know, that's 24 sides isn't a two minute job, you know, no, no. at best you're going to write three or four sides a day. So you're probably looking at five, six days worth of a response. So it's, you know, as I said, it's a big job. Yeah. When you're taking away from a business and, you know, you're doing this alongside the business and so forth. So, you know, and, and, and not everybody, not every organization uh, has the right sort of skill sets to, to to also do that as well. Because it is a skill, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, obviously I'll promote my business slightly, you know, (laughs) but that's, you know, that's ultimately what my, my my business does. And you, if you've got a leaking tap at home, you don't try and necessarily fix it yourself. You play with a plumber. Yeah. um, or if you want a wall building, you know, you might have a trowel and some um, sand, but you didn't necessarily make you a builder. Yeah, so actually is, you're going, you know, it's about having the, the expertise. The right, uh, and the, the, expertise, the, the expertise, isn't it? Isn't it? Yeah. People who navigate this on a daily mm, basis, who understand data and who can understand the pitfalls mm, and so forth. It. And, and it, you know, it's good to have that expertise, that, that knowledge uh, on your side. In, t- in terms of, you know, obviously, you, you know, you, you know, you specifically, if we talk about yourself and, and your business and again, congratulations on you taking the challenge of doing so, particularly when you've been in the, in the sector as, uh, as employed in a, in a mm-hmm. leadership capacity, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you've, you, you work with, uh, training providers, you work with business owners mm-hmm. and, you know, you, you talk about growth consulting and helping businesses to grow. Yeah. And that's not just about, you know, tenders and bid writing mm. and so forth. Uh, what 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 else is you know how can an organisation be supported with an individual like yourself and and potentially what's there to gain for them for them to look outside and and look at mm-hmm. you know, how they can grow their businesses you know training providers and skills providers yeah yeah so the, I think the one thing I would always say with our marketplace is there's always opportunity yeah you know I I've made a, a nice little business over the last three and a bit years because ultimately there is always opportunity. There is always something. And um, we work in a, in an industry that's akin to governmental cycles. So every government has a cycle. There's a period when they come into office, they put their plans into place. There's a period that they leave office. There's a period that the new government comes in. So there is always that cyclical nature of change. So there's always something that's happening. There's always something that's evolving. So the key thing that, you know, businesses would get for working with someone like myself is, you know, that expertise of, of knowing what to bid for. I mean, that's the, probably the biggest number one challenge is bidding for the right stuff. Because actually, there is lots of opportunity. You can sometimes get a little bit and, and, and go for absolutely anything and everything. Whereas sometimes it's it, it, it can be more important to to go for stuff that you know you can deliver and you can deliver well. Because if you win it once, you deliver it badly. Um, you don't tend to win it again. So you've got to be really mindful as to you know is this opportunity right for you and a good growth consultant is you know he's doing the right sort of growth you know bad so, growth bad growth benefits no one 
so the key is really picking the things that, firstly, you, you know, are not for you, and, mm. and what's your thing. I mean, I've, I, you know, I, I, I took. A, I mean, this doesn't help on a podcast, but for the people who are seeing this on the video, mm. I just looked at what's what. What are the you know just in the last sort of four weeks, mm. all the government updates and so forth, mm. and and you know you've got to read all of these and mm-hmm. you've got to digest it and understand yeah. it, and some of them then referred to you to other documents. Yeah, yeah. And it is a full time job. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's yeah, just it's, you know, and, and you think to yourself, you know, well, we've got I've got to look through all of this. I've mm-hmm. got to get all the updates. Mm-hmm. And if I'm subscribed to .gov.uk, and you know, you get an update nearly every other day. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. you know, and to just navigate all of this, and not only is it just the from in terms of bids and funding, but also some of the changes that are happening in the sector. We obviously yeah, yeah. go into a new year. Mm. It's just to keep yourself updated and keep yourself relevant and understanding what's going on. It's not an easy thing. No, no. And, it's not, yeah, and, and, you know, ultimately it's kind of knowledge is power, you know? Yeah. Um, and, you know, we are in a sector which evolves. I don't think we ever, ever, ever really have a revolution. We always have an evolution yeah. all the time. And it's that what you've described there is that almost continual evolution that we have. So, and you also, you also have the challenge of, you know, it's a little bit of, Today's news was yet is tomorrow's um, fish and chip paper. Yeah, you know. Whereas if you if you sometimes not getting the most up to date information, you you you're a week or so behind, and something could have changed again. So you know, working with people that understand the market and have that that knowledge, you know, it's really useful to tap into them. Um, and you know, they if they're looking at it all the time, you know, I had a full time job managing a team of ten people yeah. who did this. You know, did this, so yeah. um, this was um, you know something that. For a big organization in lots of different sub-markets of the FE sector, you know, you had to do because actually you needed to keep on top of that. You had to keep on top of your relationships with in, in different areas. You had to really understand what was coming. You had to understand your pipeline of opportunity yeah. um, within that. See, one of the things I've, I've sort of uh, experiencing more on a personal level is that the, some of the larger organizations out there where they relied a lot on in-house teams mm. are also now having that hybrid mm. where they have consultants where they can come in and they have these experts mm-hmm. and not just in terms of non-execs, not in terms of governors, mm-hmm. but also in terms of actually consultancy on a specific project related. Yeah. I'm talking about awarding organizations. I'm yeah. talking about some of the, you know, very large uh, training providers out mm. there. Uh, large colleges where they mm-hmm. feel the fact that you know the gig economy has got a you know bad reputation generally, mm. but the fact that you know you're talking to people who live and breathe there's their experts yeah, their yeah. expertise mm-hmm. and they can tap into that resource. It's not mm-hmm. just about always in house. Yeah, and are you finding there's more and more of even the larger and the colleges and so forth? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Out? I mean, I've got colleges and universities and larger providers, smaller providers. My client base is quite diverse. Yeah, but they use me in different ways, and you know that's that's great. You know, if even if they're with a, a larger provider with their own in-house team, you know, there's certain things and. Yeah, row up's quite a good example, you know, of if someone who's lived and breathed it and gone through it, if, if someone's actually come and hold the hand, actually just walk them through it and actually, you know, have have I fully understood this and how almost being that that critical friend of mm. you know, just someone's come and sense check it. You know, we've done this, is this right? You've seen this before, is this right? You've spoken yeah. to others, is this right? And is this the is that the challenge? And yeah, absolutely, you know. There, there, there is more and more of it. So it's, it's not, it's not just about you know, hey, you know, here's a piece of work you go and do it, no. you know, for, you know, from end to end. It's about okay, this is what we need, and understanding what that business needs, it needs, yeah. and then 
whether it's as you said that sense check or whether it's guidance and then you mm. go and do the work or whatever yeah, yeah, yeah. signposting or yeah. whatever it is yeah absolutely you know, i mean my, myself and you know others in 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 what i do you know we will offer a range of different things so i'll do from the all singing all dancing do it for you to the advise you how to do it to be uh, your friend to make sure you've done it right you know so you know it's that there's that 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 whole the whole thing and that applies to other things in the sets like data management um ilr completion quality assurance um looking at offset how offset operate yeah. um all of those different things that are, that are important sales management sales systems um learner management activity you know all of these things you know if you again go right back of what we said before you wouldn't you wouldn't necessarily try and get a bricklayer to to fix your plumbing and you get your plumber in to do your plumbing so it's that <laughs> it's that you know that's the analogy that that they have so okay this is fe insights with safraz ali okay i mean esfa subcontracting i mean you know you know that's a relationship which you know sort of love and hate type relationship oh, yeah, it, absolutely. it comes out of favor it's in favor yeah yeah and one of the things that I want to do is sort of have a brief discussion with you is at the moment there, you know, that's a focus point at this point in time. Mm. And we spoke about AEB and, you know, how many providers were mm. left out. Mm. You know, there's a need, I think, for for the market. For, I mean, if we talk about the skill sector as a whole, for us to have uh, subcontractors in some element. Where do you see subcontracting um, in terms of the current marketplace with ESFA mm. at the same time you've got these combined authorities who have a slightly different different stance mm. in some cases mm-hmm. so ESFA may be saying you know subcontracting we don't want to go down that mm-hmm. route combined authorities may be saying the fact that as I said one of the examples was uh, uh, the swaps mm. where you you have to have a subcontracting uh, framework yeah where do you see it at this point in time? What advice would you give somebody who's a lead provider mm-hmm. who's probably won some money as well in terms of uh, AEB or some other money mm. um, and maybe the colleges? And what advice could you give possibly somebody who's a, a training provider looking at, you know, working with lead providers? General, yeah, in a, in yeah, a general... sure. Sure, I mean, I've sat on both sides of the fence. Yeah. And in terms of if we start with that, that the lead provider, the contract holder, I mean, the question you should always ask yourself is, you know, if you're subcontracting, why are you subcontracting? And I think there is a value to do it, but it's to do to is the value to do something you can't do, yeah. or to diversify your service offer and think about your customer at the end. So actually, who is your who is your customer? What by subcontracting, how can I support my customer? Whether that be a paying customer in terms of the SFA, the LEPs, and um, the devolved regions, an employer. It's just that bit if we're bringing someone else to the party. What are they bringing? Are they going to bring something that that helps that relationship and helps deliver a, a good quality product? So I think there still is that place. And you know, if we don't, if we go almost not quite one step beyond, but actually we, we move to like the, the world of DWP, which is still a lot of people in this sector, particularly those that deliver adult education budget type activity, are involved in the DWP world, mm. and they love subcontracting. You know, that's, you know, there is a government department four doors down in Westminster, you know, yeah. and that is, is, has a different view altogether. So, you know, it will, I think it will go up and down and it, you know, the devolved economies majority like it, some don't, but, you know, it's all about them making sure that they get the money to, um, through the devolved uh, authorities and go into the, you know, it's going to the, get yeah. into the, the front line. I think that's the key thing is what does it benefit the front line service? Yeah. In terms of your, your, the people looking to subcontract, I, certain things I think there's less, 
but then other things there'll be more. And again, it's just that keeping the faith as to mm. to being able to enter the market and and get into that market and keep that whole thing. I mean, one of the key things with with subcontracting is relationship building. Mm. It, you know, it's not one hundred percent upfront on a tender. Um, I think it's something that you need to build a relationship with an organisation first. So actually, they they kind of get to know you a little bit because ultimately the subcontracting governance isn't isn't the same as for a direct for a governmental department. You know, they they're not bound by uh, governmental rules. You know, so it's particularly in private sector organisations. So it's a case of building that relationship, building that rapport, and actually you can you know once you're in, you can build your activity organically rather than that continual tender cycle. So, yeah. you know, there's different ways of, of going to it, but it still has a, it has a part, but again, it comes back to almost like the, the polar opposite of what we said at the start. You know, if you're going to offer to subcontract, what are you offering somebody? So what are you offering that's different from what they've already got? Yeah. If you're just going to offer them something that they can do already, why are they going to pick you? Um, so it's almost that whole thing of, of you know, what can you offer that's different? What can you offer that they can't do? So that could be like a specific geography, access to a specific client group, um, a niche qualification that there's a sufficient demand for, yeah. um, or the setup costs for another organisation to get into a, a, a little bit prohibitive that actually you're already set up. So actually, why don't they come and work with you? So, the, you know, it's a range of different things. But it's thinking about what it is you're going to offer rather than just... I want to do the same as they do, just I want to have it at my logo, not their logo. Yeah. I mean, a lot of this is about trust and you know, you've got to build trust. And, mm. and that happens over a period of time in terms of you know, credibility mm. and obviously competency and so forth. But it's mm. also about being visible as well. Mm, so training providers need to be a bit more visible. They need to go out there and, yeah. and, and show what they're doing. Yeah, that's it. Um, and mm. differentiation is absolutely, absolutely key mm. in terms of that competitive advantage and mm-hmm. you know what's our expertise what mm-hmm. do we do mm-hmm. and it's also being getting known as a provider in a particular marketplace or Absolutely a particular right. area whether that's a geographical area mm-hmm. or whether that's a uh, an area of you know skill mm-hmm. specific skills or, or industry but uh yeah i mean you know this story of subcontracting probably will be you know it's going to be different maybe you know in a couple we can, of years yeah, time yeah, we'll have a conversation in six yeah, months and it'll be different again it might be yeah, it might, yeah, it might yeah. be different but, but one of the things that i am noticing is that the combined authorities have taken a slightly different stance mm. where they're more comfortable with providers of contracting, particularly on sort of, you know, certain areas like swaps. You know, mm. WMCA was a specific provider that said, you know what, we're open to talking to um, providers, but we want to see a consortia. Mm. We want to see a consortium-based uh, approach. Yeah. Uh, similarly, yeah, you had uh, GMCA who had a consortium-based approach. Mm-hmm. So it depends, I think, in terms of the commissioning uh, people. Yeah, so yeah. it's not one size fits all. ESFA may, you know, decide the fact that the way combined authorities are doing things is the right way. We don't. We don't know. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. Again, you know, it's, 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 it's with like, everything. You know, I, there's always there's multiple ways in which to do things. So. Yeah. It will continue to evolve and continue to change. So I think that if you can play, depending on the size of your organisation, your organisational goals, you know, playing both sides of the street isn't ever going to hurt. So actually, keep yourself in in certain areas and having a, a direct delivery and a subcontract delivery approach. You know, it gives you different opportunities in different areas and helps you to you know build your build your business and build your footprint. And then also, you know, that, that whole 
corporate social responsibility of how do you how do you sort of bring SMEs into that marketplace and keep SMEs in that yeah. marketplace? And, and the key, as you said earlier on, is in terms of the lead provider, as long as they've got their rationale right, yeah, yeah, uh, as long as they can can justify the process, why they're doing it, mm-hmm. what's the added value. The, you know, there's no issues in terms of subcontracting as long as you're working within those thresholds yeah, yeah, and absolutely. understanding yeah. and so forth. Obviously, we've got this 25% that the SFA has put down as well mm. in some, some aspects of it. But overall, if it can add value to you, your organization, I think uh, organizations need to be more open yeah. to it. So that that's a positive thing in terms of some of the changes that are happening in terms of ESFA, subcontracting to combine authorities on subcontracting. I want to touch very, very briefly on uh, qualification achievement rates because mm. you spoke about, obviously, the pandemic, COVID, mm. you know, learners at the heart of it. We've mm. had a very, very unusual period where before that QAR, qualification achievement rates, Minimum levels of standard was something that, you know, we, we were all much more conscious of, mm. aware of. We were talking about it on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. That's slightly been parked. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a chance that, well, well QAR now, uh, rates will be shared with Ofsted and mm-hmm. so forth, but it's not going to be something that that uh, providers uh, will have to you know, see so you're not going to hang your hat on, yeah. are you? Yeah, yeah that's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, so, so there's, there's some changes there. Um, where are you seeing in terms of the, the, the marketplace, in terms of the discussions on QAR and, mm. and apprenticeship standards and mm. some of this? Is there, is there a general tone in terms of a bit of relaxation? Yeah, or? I mean, it, it, I, I completely agree with your point. You know, it doesn't seem as, as important at the minute as perhaps it, it was, but give it six months, it will be number one on the, on the, on the, on the talking point. You know, I, it would be incredibly harsh to penalise an organisation um, because, and I'd say you worked in the hospitality sector, you probably lost your entire apprenticeship part in one go where people got made redundant. And that's not because your provision's good, bad or indifferent. It's because of the of market forces. Similarly, if you are like an adult education budget provider, but you do something that's hands-on, you know, if you do a, an engineering type thing or a, a construction-based thing, you can't really make that an online type activity it has to be some degree of of of, of people in the room mm. so i i think it was absolutely right to to deprioritize it short term and um, however i my view is it will be reprioritized as as, as as something that's critical and key going forward because mm. ultimately you're judged on you know how, how do people get through the course you don't go on a you don't go to go on a to go and get a qualification, and if you don't pass, it's like oh, you nearly passed. Well, no, actually, the you know the the provider needs to be judged on you know how successful they are with working with their their cohorts of learners. Okay, so in general terms, at the moment, you know, what are the opportunities for a say SME? Well, any training provider out mm. there, skills provider out there, who may not have been successful in terms of the AEB, mm-hmm, who mm-hmm. you know, who you know, going through, you know, you know, has got some apprenticeships, but you know, is is looking to grow. Where, where's the landscape? You know, is, is it positive or is there other opportunities generally? Where, where's your thoughts? Yeah, you? so I mean, there are always opportunities. It just depends, into a certain extent, where you are in the in the country. Yeah, and. Um, if you're in one of the devolved areas, that's all going to start coming around for re-procurement. Those contracts are three years old now. So actually they're getting to the point now where, you know, that's that's a whole, you know, if we use the word refresh again, that's where there's a whole refresh of that AEB marketplace in those in those areas. And there'll be there'll be a shift change around that. So that's all due in the next in the next year or so. 
Um, we've got the, sh- the the replacement for ESF. So um, well, there's two things there. So firstly, there is always ESF underspend. So ESF monies have been given out. Again, we've had a period of challenge. So ultimately, there will be budgets that aren't spent. So actually, once the ESF, DWP, combined authorities, let's realise actually they've got some money spare. You know, that's where new opportunities come and that will come across the piece. And then that's going to evolve to the shared prosperity fund. So that whole new shared prosperity fund is what's going to replace ESF. Contracts need to be in place for March 23. So actually, if we think about a a tender from where something goes out to um, when it starts being delivered, it's normally about a year, roughly, Mm. in terms of where all the, the process sort of starts. So that whole process is going to have to start very soon to get to get people through. Employers will start spending. You know, we look in the the jobs market. If you are a, a, an organisation in who are on, on the register, you know, you look at the number of job vacancies there are in the marketplace at the moment. You know, there's plenty of opportunity for people to move into new careers. Therefore, that whole apprenticeship agenda will help help drive that. If you are a grade two provider, there's going to be an opportunity soon to have a, a look at 16 to 18 apprenticeships. So there's a market entry element for that. If that's something that you are interested in doing, and um, there's a the, the, that's due for for how they're going to go about doing it. It's due to be launched in the next couple of weeks. So that, you know there is plenty of stuff. Again, don't just always think ESFA. You know we're in the FE market, but the FE market is a bit broader than that. Yeah. Ultimately, we're there to support people, and we're there to support people to move on. Yeah. Um, so things like the Department of Work and Pensions have got a flexible support fund that's been relaunched. Okay. And a lot of that is about training people. Okay. It's about training people to do well. So actually, you, you, your FE type market is for you. Mm. It's how do you show somebody to do stuff? And actually, those that have had the AEB budget compressed or haven't got an AEB allocation, actually, some of the stuff that providers do through Ali did through there, actually, you can repurpose and reuse and look at the, split, the flexible support fund and to be able to, to use that as a vehicle to be able to support the customers that you want to support. Okay, fantastic. Some great wisdom there. And that's your three-year business plan, I think, for the next three years. Well, that's it. So, you know, so, I do so, try. So, <laughs> so that, that's the next three years. That's the next three years covered. Yeah. So, Steve, you know, really appreciate your time here. No, pleasure. Uh, if somebody wanted to get a get a hold of you, wanted to speak to you, what, 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 you know, obviously it's quite easy just to type your name into the search engine, but, you know, what's what's the best way? Yeah, but, yeah. you know, we... we, we we're 2021, so however's best. So, yeah. you know, SCLO Consulting, um, you know, give us a quick Google. Um, I am the only SCLO Consulting in England, so yeah. we're doing all right on that front. <laughs> so, um, yeah, by all means, there's a web, there's a web form. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Twitter. So please, yeah. you know, if you want to follow me and see other things that are going on in the market, um, I do try and do some, um, well, I do do some uh, thought leadership pieces of where things are and just give people a few ideas and things to think about. Yeah. Um, you know, please follow me on there yeah. or, you know, drop me an email at steve.ohare.sclconsulting.co.uk um, and we can go from there. Is there anything anybody wants to talk about? Yeah. And, and Steve, you, you also do a lot, quite a bit of work for the ELP as well, you know, in terms of yeah, webinars and so forth. So yeah. do, you do a lot of a lot of work out there in terms of, you know, sharing your knowledge and yes. so forth. So yeah, people yeah. probably may have come across you, across you there. But again, Steve, really appreciate your time. Really appreciate your nuggets that you've you've shared with us. This podcast is about sharing uh, um, sort of advice, guidance, really sharing you know, nuggets of gold, and and this is about really getting that small sort of competitive advantage, trying to get to a position where we can navigate and, and be better and, and do more. So Absolutely. much much appreciate your uh, uh, your contribution to this podcast and. Uh, 
potentially, you know, with the changes, with the changes, with the raw top and so forth, we may be uh, meeting again very, very shortly. Yeah, sure. But, but thank you for that. Yeah, thank um, you for the invite. In, t- in terms of uh, the, the FE podcast, in terms of going forward, I mean, we're, you know, this is our second second episode. Uh, we've had feedback from the first episode and really appreciate appreciate that. Uh, we are generally interested in guests who can come on board, uh, like Steve today, who have got some insights, some knowledge uh, that they want to contribute and it is something that's uh, from from our perspective we're looking to to grow so it's, it's further education we're talking about adult skills we're talking about work-based learning welfare to work as well and anybody who feels that they they've got something to say that gives value to the audience out there the audience isn't just our leaders within our sector but it's also uh, employers who, who also uh I have listened in on the first podcast and we're going to hopefully push push the word out. We have created uh, a website as well, which is fepodcast.co.uk. We're adding content and we're, we're also open to having people who are, who are writing thought leadership pieces uh, share that with us as well. So potentially that is also something that's available. Uh, I'll finish off by saying please do subscribe you know, uh, to us and please share what we're doing uh, with others and thank you again for your support thanks for listening to the latest news and insights from the further education sector Safraz Ali will be keeping his ear to the ground and we'll be back soon with new developments and comment from some of the top professionals in the field this is a 1386 audio production